Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. Tristan here along with Jacob, and Jacob's going to go ahead and tell you guys what we're going to get into. Yeah, so in the NFL, we're going to talk about uh, the coaches, the new coaching hires where they landed. Um, we're going to be talking about some possible big news for the commanders going on to the NHL. We're growing near to the uh, NHL trade deadlines. So we're going to talk about some trades that have already happened as well as what we think our teams will do. And then finally going on into baseball, big news, spring training starts actually this week, so let's get right into it. All right, yeah, so first off, obviously NFL season has come to a close, unfortunately, so there's not much to really go over there for a while, but while we were in the thick of the playoffs, and especially leading up to the Super Bowl, obviously some teams who needed coaches started hiring coaches, and big uh, big news like Tom Brady retiring, other quarterbacks whose careers are in question and where they're going to be going. And so there was there was a bit of news that we missed that we were missing out on as we were focusing on the Super Bowl. So we're going to take this episode to kind of go over all the bigger headlines that we didn't get to really talk about while the Super Bowl was going on. So first off, I think we should talk about probably the biggest news in who is the standing goat in Tom Brady retiring. I think that really takes the cake for the biggest news of the offseason thus far. Obviously, coaches have been hired and everything, but Tom Brady, you know, playing 23 years, winning seven rings, breaking all sorts of records his, his entire career, him retiring and saying this time it's for real is kind of the big headline of the offseason thus far. But I will say I think it is for real this time. But there's still a little little space in the back of my head saying there's a very good chance he could come back still. I can't see it after how kind of mediocre he was last season and all the stuff he went through. I can't see him really coming back. And he just signed a huge deal with Fox. So I think he's I I think he's officially done. Um for me the news doesn't feel as big because obviously what would happen with last year. But he's obviously the greatest quarterback in terms of if you're looking at um, his accomplishments and stats. He's the greatest. So great career, first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, should be interesting to see what the league looks like and continues on without him because he's been in the league longer than we've been alive. Now, I, I agree. I do think it's very unlikely for him to come back. But I think there's... Like, just a little bit in the back of my mind saying, uh, you know, there is... If, say, a team like the 49ers, just for example, say the 49ers get to the start of the season, they don't like the way Trey Lance looks, they need a quarterback, I feel like if someone were to call, then he would step in because he already said that he's not going into his Fox deal until 2024. So he's not, he's not going to broadcast this season, which... I think is also good for Greg Olson because Greg Olson had a big year this year. Uh, seems to be liked by the masses. And so it's kind of interesting on what's going to happen there with Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart. And I mean, this gives another year for them to kind of pad themselves and maybe give Tom Brady. Obviously, Tom Brady is going to be put right in. He's getting paid 37.5 mil a year to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But 
I do still think that if a team were to call and it was the right team, I think he would go back out if he wanted to. I, I guess, but I, I really, I really can't see it. But. I think I will say though, I think another piece that kind of went into this retirement for this season is obviously when he decided to come back, he lost pretty much his entire family. So family, I think, and yeah. he did it for a mediocre season. Yeah, I, I think that plays into his retirement for this season. But even if he doesn't come back, obviously, an incredible career from Tom Brady. So uh, it's it's kind of weird to uh, see him being gone and out of the league now. It's going to be weird to you know go every weekend and not hear the name Tom Brady. So you probably still will because people won't shut up about him, but not <laughs> him on the field or yeah, that's and that's what I mean. Like the the fact that Tom Brady won't be on the field is kind of yeah a thing that's puzzling me. Another big name who could is still pondering retirement, still figuring out where he wants to go is Aaron Rodgers, which yeah. I think is arguably the biggest free agent quarterback going into this off season. He didn't have a stellar year, but he played the entire season without. A healthy thumb throwing thumb with that so he had that kind of messing with his game but he seems from what i've heard it seems like he's not ready to decide yet but it kind of looks on the side that he's going to go back and play which also brings up the question is he going to go with the packers are the packers done with him is he going to move on and if he moves on where is he going to go jets are a big topic uh 49ers are out there raiders are out there if he does though I mean, his contract is going to have to be re- reworked because it's going to be hard to think of a team who's going to be paying the $60 million a year or whatever the Yeah, he does have a hefty is, paycheck. Yeah, and considering how old he is and how kind of um, sporadic he's kind of been over the last few years in terms of his off-the-field stuff, you obviously had where he was having problems with management and the whole training camp things. Um I do think he can still be a very viable option and possibly take a team to another level, but I'm not sure a lot of teams are going to be giving up a lot, a lot for him, and I don't know what yeah, the Packers are Yeah, because he still really does have to be want. traded for. Uh, his yeah. rights are still owned by the Packers, which I don't know if you realize this, but Aaron Rodgers is the last standing quarterback from that era. Like Eli Manning, yeah. Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, uh... I feel like there's Drew Brees. That was the other one I was missing. Philip Rivers. Like, yeah. He's really that last standing, you know, great quarterback from that era. Obviously, even though Philip Rivers never won a Super Bowl, he was still up there with he had the some best. great. Yeah, he had I think some really he's, good seasons. I think he's still going into the hall, but uh and uh, I maybe some questions I've I've heard is people are asking, will Aaron Rodgers decide not to retire just solely based off the fact that Tom Brady didn't re- retire this season, did retire this season? Because if you look you at who's – Here's your – if, say, Aaron Rodgers does retire this season, you already have three first ballot Hall of Famers, J.J. Watt, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, which I think it would be petty to just be like, I want to play another season because I don't want to share a stage with Tom Brady. But, I mean, yeah. that's – obviously a Hall, a Hall of Fame is a – is a really big thing to be inducted to. You're going amongst the greats of the greats. So to be put in there and Aaron Rodgers would have his spotlight taken there by Tom Brady. Cause when Tom Brady goes in, that's all anyone's going to talk about. So yeah. it's going to be 
I could kind of see it happening, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is still pondering his decisions. And if he does stay, this is just me talking. Like I haven't heard anything from anywhere, but I feel like Aaron Rodgers would end up being traded somewhere because, first off, him and Matt LaFleur don't seem to have a great relationship to start out with. Yeah. They are they seem like to be very chippy with each other. I feel like Aaron Rodgers feels like he has more power than Matt LaFleur is willing to give him. And so I feel that causes a little bit of discomfort in their relationship. And then on top of that, when Jordan Love played this season, the little bit he did, especially against the Eagles, I watched that when I was watching that game. Jordan Love can sling the rock. I mean, he plays really well. Obviously, he's had three, four years sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, so he's had nothing but practice time to perfect his game. And learning under a first ballot Hall of Famer, what better way to do it? That's the way the Packers have done it. Yeah, they that's what Aaron Rodgers did. Brett yeah, Favre really to Aaron Rodgers. to. Yeah, I can't see Aaron Rodgers staying at the team. And for the Packers, I, I think they this is the end of this team. And... Um, I think they just need to get what they can out of Rodgers because if you bring him back and try to rerun it, you're not going to be a serious championship contender. You don't have the roster for it. Um, you Like your wide receiver core, it's young, but it's nothing really spectacular. The defense is a little disappointing. So I just think it's time for a reset. You put Jordan Love in there. You start to completely rebuild the team, get some draft capital out of Aaron Rodgers, and just hope for the best. I'll say the Packers do look better this season than they did last season. Their defense isn't anything terrible. Like, I trust them a little bit, but they're not anything great. They're not a top-five defense like they were thought to be last season. And those the wide receivers have come a long way from last season. Christian Watson took a little bit to get on his feet, but now that he did, he scored, what, six touchdowns in a matter of four days? I mean, he's he found found his footing there. Uh, Romeo Dobbs... Aside from the brief stint that he had an injury, he seems to be a good piece to have across from Christian Watson. Aaron Jones is going back, so they have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon yet. So, I mean, their offense isn't terrible. Uh, David Bakhtiari still has to decide if he's coming back yet or not. So there's a there's still a little bit of questions going on around the Packers, but I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Packers if I'm going off of that for myself. I know Devontae Adams has been trying to get him over at Vegas, uh, I've heard talks about the Jets, uh, 49ers potentially, because the 49ers are going to have some questions at quarterback, which we'll get into next. Yeah. Uh, so there's Aaron Rodgers has a little bit of – has a couple things to figure out. I mean, and I think – I'm going to double check, but he might have a no-trade clause in his deal. He – he, which means he does, which you'd have to wave and wave yeah, that. But so the so the thing with the trade clause is, if he, if there is a no trade clause, then Aaron Rodgers basically chooses where he wants to go play. If yeah. there isn't a no trade clause, then he doesn't get that choice, but he has to wave it himself, which means he would get to choose where he wants to go. So I mean that also plays a big factor in where he goes during the off season, uh, yeah, but. Oh, this ahead. quarterback market is insane because you have, like, what the what the package is going to be for Aaron Rodgers and going on into um, some contract stuff. Daniel Jones is asking for $45 million a year from the Giants. And then, obviously, there's rumor, um, I, 
I'm not sure it's a rumor anymore. I believe it's confirmed. But I think Lamar wants to be on par, like at minimum, with Deshaun Watson. So this this quarterback market is going to be interesting because you're going to have Derek Carr in the mix. So you don't know what he's going to get. He if Daniel Jones somehow gets 45 million from the Giants, which I think is a little too much. Yeah, he's going to want a lot. Well, so Joe Burrow is going to reset the market because Joe Burrow is yeah. ain't going is going into his fourth year, which makes him eligible for a new contract. So they're going to sign him now because they're you're not going to take a bet on him playing poorly this next season. So yeah. Joe Burrow is going to get re-signed this season. Jalen Hurts is going to get re-signed. That's then going to throw up you know, the money numbers for Lamar because he, he's going to have to get a new deal, uh, which is really probably the other biggest one. Uh, Derek Carr yeah. has to be traded. So He was released. Oh, they did release him? I didn't yeah. see that. So uh, then I guess that does kind of play a factor in there too. So that'll that Joe Burrow is gonna be the is gonna be the market set, and I think the Ravens and the Bengals are kind of holding out on each other because they want to see what the other one pays their quarterback. Um, I think I think Jalen Hurts will just kind of thirty five a year. Oh, I did not see that. Which that actually puts a spin on the whole Derek Carr situation. I didn't realize yeah that and do you think like Carr and um lamar will opt for um franchise tax because when somebody like um burrow is or hurts are gonna completely reset can, the market they'll try and hold out for more can you be can you put, franchise? be franchise tagged as as a free agent i feel like you have to have a team prior like i don't yeah, I, I don't know if you're well, i know lamar i think Lamar, I Lamar can be. I think. Yeah, I, don't I know think about Lamar Daniel will get Jones, franchise though. tagged. I don't think he wants to be franchise tagged, but, but I think he, he will. will get franchise tagged. Yeah. Because I don't know about Daniel Jones though. Daniel Jones. I think the Giants are going to use their franchise tag on Saquon, and then sign yeah. Daniel Jones because the quarterback is the more important piece to get locked up. So I believe they're going to use their franchise tag on Saquon. I don't think Jalen Hurts gets his contract until after Joe Burrow. Uh, and then Derek Carr, 30, okay, I mean, obviously 35 million is still a big number, but for quarterbacks nowadays, 35 isn't really too high. He does still compete. He's still a good quarterback. It's just the team this but past year didn't perform yeah, well at all. But you have to kind of look at the Wentz situation, I kind of feel. Um, and Derek Carr, he's he's 31 years old. And when have we ever seen a quarterback have massive success when another team, like with another team moving there in his right early 30s? Yeah, I think that is, that's going to be a little worrying. I don't You're not going to like my answer, but Tom Brady did go to the Bucks and win a Super Bowl immediately. Okay, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a few outliers. I, 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 knew, I knew that was Derek just going to get you. So. It's like your average, like yeah, yeah. he's around an average, maybe even a, Last season he was, I'd say, average. But now, here's here's my thing though. I think that Derek Carr, uh, Jimmy G, also another big free agent. I don't think they get signed until after the draft. Cause you got so there are three big quarterbacks in the draft. You got Will Levis from Kentucky, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, and Bryce Young from Alabama. Think Bryce Young's probably going to go to the Texans unless the Bears decide to trade Justin Fields and pick him up. So Texans wouldn't need a quarterback anymore. 
Lions are probably going to draft a quarterback too because they have Jared Goff for this season, and he played so well last season that they're not worried about getting him out immediately. So I believe the Lions are probably going to pick a quarterback. The Panthers are in need of a quarterback, so they'll probably draft one. Uh, The Raiders need a quarterback, but I feel like the Raiders are more of a free agent quarterback type team than a young quarterback type team. Uh, Panthers, I think the Panthers, the Lions, and the Texans are probably the three that are going to get those young quarterbacks because they're young teams to begin with. So that's your entire future right there. Teams like the Raiders, uh, the Jets, the Jets, I never thought I'd say this in my lifetime, but I believe the Jets are a quarterback away from making a playoff run. I don't know about a Super Bowl run, but a deep playoff run. Their defense is good. They got weapons. Garrett Wilson, obviously winner of Rookie of the Year award. He looks phenomenal. Uh, Braxton Berrios isn't too terrible. Brees Hall probably would have would have won Rookie of the Year had he not gotten hurt. So yeah, I, I believe, drafted them in fantasy, and people thought I was crazy. I believe that the Jets are a decent quarterback away from being not a Super Bowl contender, but a playoff contender. Uh, yeah, I I can definitely see that. So I believe the Jets are more of a free agent quarterback type uh, team. Yeah, too. I. I I have a feeling they may overpay for somebody like Derek Carr. Oh, and the 49ers, another free agent type quarterback because yeah, the, the 49ers, that situation is weird. So you have Brock Purdy, you have Trey Lance. You don't know what's well, going to happen with Jimmy they, G. So they, Jimmy G's probably going to walk, I think. Yeah. And then that means, and Brock Purdy, it's confirmed he has to get Tommy John surgery and he mm-hmm. hasn't gotten it yet because he started getting swelling. So He's he's going to be out for a while. He's not going to be able to start the season, which means Trey Lance is going to start this start the season. And then once Brock Purdy's healthy, depending on what Trey Lance does during the season, do you stick with Trey Lance? Do you go to Brock Purdy? I mean, the 49ers are in a big quarterback controversy and if Trey Lance doesn't perform in like the first 3 games cuz Brock Purdy probably won't be ready until mid-season, if he's not ready or if he's not playing well for like the first 3 games, I think they're bringing in a free agent quarterback to sign. So there's a lot of questions at quarterback in San Fran. Yeah, but the thing with San Fran is you don't even need that spectacular of quarterback play. So I think it's going to be a little hard to judge because, I mean, you saw with Brock Purdy, like they have a great defense. They have a lot of weapons and they have an offensive genius in Shanahan. So I think that is, a you know, you know who I think would be a decent fit there? Free agent wise, I think Derek Carr would actually be a good fit there, because he's he's a decent enough quarterback that he's I think he's better than Brock Purdy, because I believe Brock Purdy. Don't get me wrong, he played phenomenal for what he was, but I believe they also hid him pretty well. I mean, first off, they weren't playing spectacular opponents, but I mean it's the NFL, so that doesn't really matter. But that argument is yeah, it's it's no, I I agree there because. Trust me, when everyone ball. said when everyone was saying the Eagles had a cakewalk of a schedule, they still kept it close with the Chiefs, so I didn't believe that either. But I will say uh, the defenses they were playing weren't exactly spectacular, but he did show he showed glimpses of being able to get out of the pocket and make plays and kind of expand the pocket if he needed to. But with that being said, he also showed signs of being timid in the pocket where he sees, even if it's just his own running back cross his face, in his mind, that's a defender coming, and he bails. So he gets 
I think that can uh, I think that'll affect him. So I think the 49ers would be a good fit for Derek Carr because he's a good enough quarterback that he makes good decisions on the field and he can, you know, perform well for you better than a Brock Purdy, but he's also will benefit from having that great team around him with the defense and all those weapons in well, if they get McCaffrey back, which I believe they will, uh whether they franchise tag him or what they do. And then Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, like they have a load of weapons there that I think Derek Carr would benefit off of. Also, I, mean, I did I did look it up. Aaron Rodgers does have a no-trade clause, so he kind of gets to choose where he wants to go. And um, the 49ers, they just re- um, restructured Trent Williams' contract. They saved nearly $14 million in cap space, so that's going to be big. Um, they're probably going to – like the first priority would be to um, get back Christian McCaffrey, and then after that, um, we'll see. And I think looking at the NFC as a whole, I think honestly – the 49ers are probably the only team that really put up a big fight for the NFC for with the Eagles in a while. Because if you look at the AFC, the AFC is a dogfight every single year. You have Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Lamar, if he stays in the AFC. Tua took off this season. Like there, It is a gauntlet of quarterbacks over there. The NFC is like just old and washed up at the quarterback position. Yeah, like The teams that are typically good either have average quarterbacks or like just below average but the really gritty teams that have really good um like rosters around them if that makes any sense like there's not as many super teams in the nfc as they're in the afc there's a few teams where you can think okay if they can get some things right find a few pieces they can compete with the eagles and niners but there's still a bunch of different questions and like for example we don't know what's going to happen with the Cowboys or the Giants. We don't know how that's going to play out. Even with Washington, you don't know what's going to happen. Are they going to have another season like they did last season? Or is BNME going to come in? Or you just There's so many things you don't know about the NFC. Yeah, I, I think the NFC is definitely the weaker side of the NFL. Uh, yeah. And I've said, like, I think having this youth movement of quarterbacks in the NFL is huge. I mean that's really been the people who have been succeeding recently. I mean, aside from, you know, you had your outliers where Matthew Stafford won the Super Bowl last year, uh, but across from him was Joe Burrow. And then three out of the last four Super Bowls, Patrick Mahomes was in them. Jalen Hurts was in this one. Uh, Tom Brady obviously was in the one. Uh, and then Jimmy G, but really you're you're seeing the youth movement play a big factor. Oh, another one in the NFC, AFC that I forgot to mention, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, yeah. it's just Deshaun Watson, if he proves that he can come back from where he was. I mean, they have just a gauntlet of young quarterbacks over there, which has really proven to be the key to winning in the NFL at the moment. So I think the 49ers, they have enough weapons around them that if they can get a decent quarterback, they're probably the only other team that really you know puts up a fight in the NFC for a while. Because I think the Eagles are going to be up there every single year, too. Despite losing a lot of their free agents this season, Howie Roseman has shown that it doesn't matter what he's going to lose. He's going to still put up a, uh, yeah, put up a fight. Like, history dictates that he's probably going to find a way, but I'd still be a little bit worried because you never know like if your luck will run out. Like If this will be the offseason where you get things wrong, you take a step back. But I still think um, as team, like you're the team to beat in the NFC, even if somebody like Rodgers stays in the NFC or you see other teams get better. But I still think the Eagles are the team in the NFC. And I think if 
Jurassic things don't happen, it's very possible you could be for the next seven to ten years. Yeah, it's. I think the Eagles have a good future. So despite this loss, I'm not too worried about it yet. Uh, you want to move on to some big head coaches? Uh, first, first I want to start out with. Uh, I want to start with two that I think would take. Oh, I also forgot to mention Kyler, which I'll kind of touch on here in a minute. But I want to start out with two that I I don't really have an opinion on yet because I feel like there's still a lot of missing pieces there, which is Shane Steichen going to the Colts, former Eagles offensive coordinator, and then former Eagles defensive coordinator John Gannon going to the Cardinals. Now, the reason I'm not quite set on those yet is the Colts are another team who don't have a quarterback, but they do have a lot of talent on their team. Uh, and Shane Steichen, he, while, yes, the Eagles had an amazing offensive year, I kind of worry because Nick Sirianni was the guy playing, calling the plays. So that kind of gives question to me for what he could do as a head coach. And then John Gannon, uh, I also have questions there just because defensive co- coaches have proven to struggle in the NFL. And if you think about it, I think there's one big reason. If your team is doing really well and scoring a lot of points, that means your offensive coordinator is getting poached. So you're going to have to find a – say your team does really well off the bat, you're going to have to find a new offensive coordinator like every two years. makes it hard for defensive coaches to succeed in the NFL. So I'm not quite sure how Gannon's going to do that in in Arizona. So those two – I mean, those are obviously big head coaching hires, but I'm kind of shaky on those two. Um, about that defensive head coaching thing, um, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that 100% because, if, like, defensive head coaches have succeeded. If you look at I would Bill say they Belichick, have, but... they have. You look at the Ryan, like the Ryans. Um, I do agree in the modern NFL, if you have a really good offensive coordinator, it's typically going to get poached. Um, we did the same thing to Kansas City, even though he's not going to be your head coach yet. But I don't, I mean... And I'm not saying defensive coaches can't succeed because obviously Bill Belichick did. But I feel like Bill yeah. Belichick, I feel like he kind of looked at both sides of the ball. I don't think he was only a defensive head coach. I think he's no, I just... I think he was, he's more of a defensive head he, coach. He is he, more, but I still believe that he is just a good enough mind that he kind of, that he can do both. I do, but he is classified as a defensive head coach. Uh, yeah, that's what he focuses on, and I think he's had a very good offense. He's had good offensive staffs over the years. He hasn't really been too too involved in terms of the offensive side of the ball because that's not his forte. Because even when he was with um, the Giants or the Browns, um, he was still a defensive coach. And even when he was with the Jets for that cup of tea, he I still think he's. He he is he is classified Almost as defensive. Entirely head coach. defensive. I I don't think he has that much say in the offense in terms of play calling. But he is. But I he's another one that I would say is an outlier because so I'm gonna try to think of all the recent head defensive head coaches. I'm gonna miss some, but like some of the names that stand out. Robert Sala. He hasn't done anything to prove that he's gonna be good yet, but he also hasn't been terrible. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not really. Uh, ready to put an official wording on how I feel about him being a head coach yet. Uh, Vic Fangio, head coach for the Broncos for about two seasons. He didn't do anything. He ended up getting fired. Uh, there was one more that I had in my head that I can't think about right now. Dan Quinn? Uh, Dan Quinn, he took he took the Falcons to the Super Bowl. I would say he, that was a decent success, but once after they went to the Super Bowl, they didn't do anything again. 
Uh, um, I can't think of the other one. Spagnola, there's Fangio, I think you said. Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles, he didn't really do much. And, I mean, once no. he took over as the Tampa coach this season, he didn't he didn't succeed that much. I had one on my mind, but I can't think of who it is at the moment. So, uh, must not have been that important. But defensive head coaches definitely struggle more than offensive head coaches. Uh, because if you have an offensive head coach, he's what runs the offense, and scoring points is probably the bigger importance because you can i mean yeah you can have a good modern day nfl yes if you you can have a good defense but if you don't score points on offense then it doesn't matter um i'd say if this was like early 2000s at the latest i would say the opposite in terms of the coaching but but if you look at it now how the rules are set up and how nearly every single rule is catered to the offense i would agree with the point that yeah I, i guess i'd say i have to agree with the point that it's probably a little easier to succeed as an offensive head coach. Yeah. Uh, going over to, I think, what are the two biggest head coaching hires, D'Amico Ryans to the Houston Texans. Uh, another defensive head coach hiring. Is that really that big? It's the Texans. It is the Texans, but, I mean, I. this might just be me, but I've also heard it from some other places. I don't think the Texans were all – like, yes, they were the worst team in the league. Well, quote uh they were one of the worst teams in the league but they were putting up good fights they took the chiefs to overtime uh they gave the eagles a rough time through halftime like they they put up fights and i what is the biggest thing for me personally in that thing is D'Amico ryan's had such success with san fran i'm interested to see what he does in houston that's why it's that's why it's big to me but also uh with Houston, I think they had some decent talent, and I just I want to see what he can do with what they have because I don't think tech, the Texans were terrible, but the Texans have been through two coaches in two years. D'Amico Ryan's the third and three. I also am interested to see what happens there. If, he, if they only give him one year to be good or if they're going to actually give him a chance to you know put in his two cents and try to build the team he wants to. Because you can't build a team in one season. It takes a little bit to get to a winning, to become a winning team. So I, that's why it's big for me. I mean, it may not be a quote-unquote big NFL hiring, but to me it is a pretty big hire. I mean, I think it's interesting, but in terms of pretty big, I'd have to disagree because at the end of the day, it's still the Texans. Yes, they put up some good fights, but that's happened with bad teams over the years. That's not a big a super big thing i still think they're going to be a maximum of like the best case scenario for me is they get six wins that that's really about it i really can't see anything drastic happening with this team now here's what probably is a bigger coach hiring for you sean payton to the broncos yeah that's that's definitely interesting because the broncos i'd say were the biggest underperforming team last year even more so than the chargers um it's what you'd we'd expected that with the addition of Russell Wilson, they'd be turned into a contender because they have some good pieces around it with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Um, so I'm interested to see what's going to happen there. And will Russell Wilson bounce back? Um, I think he can under Sean Payton because um, some experts have said that, that with Wilson, they just need to go back and look at what Wilson is good at and 
like focus on those things look at look back at what he did well in seattle and kind of structure the offense around that yeah um i think sean payton i I believe that he is a hard enough coach that it'll actually kind of give russell wilson uh like i think it'll give not russell wilson a hard time but he's gonna push russell wilson is what i think which in the nfl i mean it may not look like it but People want to be coached hard. They want to win. And hard coaching is the way to win. So I believe that Sean Payton will push the Broncos to their limit and push Russell Wilson to his limit. Obviously, Russell Wilson had, what, 13 passing touchdowns this past season? Uh, so um, I need to look at but for a while there's a stat that he had more bathrooms in his house than he had touchdowns on the season. Yeah, so... I was happening for, like, good, like... Like 12 weeks. weeks. Yeah, 12, 13 yeah, He weeks. had 16 touchdowns this year. All right. So, which is still underperforming by a mile, being that every yeah, season that's, that's up to this good. one, through the first half, he was always considered an MVP candidate. Yeah, like, it, it. I swear, for like a five- or four-year stretch, he was always the early contender, or at least top three in MVP, but then the latter half of the season, they'd kind of fall off. And I typically would always have like Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf in them. Fantasy in that last half of the season, it, their numbers just nosedived. Yeah, so I I believe Sean Payton, he's coming off his year with Fox, so uh, he's fresh and ready to go. But I do think he can help turn around the turn around the Broncos and maybe make them a contender in the AFC West again. Uh, but with that, that's really all I got for NFL. I do want to, next week, I want to go over some of the Eagles contracts and kind of talk about that because obviously, uh, after going to the Super Bowl, they're losing 14 players potentially, and that's huge. So I, I do want to talk, talk about that, but we'll do that next week. And, uh, Quick thing, when we were recording last week, we recorded a few, like a few hours before Bienmi was confirmed to be the official offensive coordinator. It's now official. He had his uh, press conference, and he's going to be like one of his titles as assistant head coach, um, and he's going to be calling the plays for the offense. And so, and it looks like they're going to let him hire um, the staff he wants to. So I think that's a step in the right direction. And apparently, he did not meet with. Uh, Dan Schneider once and Dan Schneider wasn't really involved which is a very good sign and there's a bunch there's still a bunch of rumors about Bezos um, putting in a bid he just hired a, the investment company who did the last two um, last two teams to be sold yeah that were bought um, so there's some there's some evidence there but nothing official yeah, which and that that did happen like right after we got off. Yeah, you it texted was like me two right hours, after, and you're like, "Oh, let's go! We got the enemy." So, uh, yeah, I am interested to see what happens there. Uh, but other than that, I believe that's it for the NFL. Um, unless you have anything else you wanted to add. Nope, on to hockey. All right, so going on to hockey, uh, you want to do trade deadline first, or do we have to do hockey? Because I don't. We really All right, don't so. Yeah, I mean, it is really bad for both of us. Uh, This is probably the first time in a while that we've agreed that our teams both are terrible. Uh, Yeah, we're we just lost to the Ducks last 
last night we're on i think it's like a six game losing streak we just haven't been good we play like crap in the stadium series um i think laviolette deserves i don't think he should be head coach come the end of the season i think he needs to be fired um and it looks like the team is finally being blown up and I knew this was coming because we signed up for it because we got 15 plus years of prime Backstrom and Ovi. So we knew this was going to come. This is, this, this came apart as the team. You had to understand this was going to happen with the team that had been together for so long. But uh, the first signs started yesterday when Garnet Hathaway and Dimitri Orloff were traded um, to the Bruins for uh I need to pull up the uh, specific de- details. Um, it's a it twenty-three is a first, a second, and a third, and then some some center who's on like four million dollars. Uh, um, yeah, that that's the Craig sense. Smith, a twenty-three first round pick, twenty twenty-four third, and a twenty twenty-five second, and um, obviously Craig Smith and. I like the I like that package. Um, I think it's just time to blow up the team and to get three picks out of Orloff and Garnet Hathaway. I think it's very good. A couple other big trades. I mean, that really shows that you guys are kind of done. I'm surprised that that trade got done quicker than JVR out of Philly. Yeah, that that I'm the Flyers still JVR haven't still traded there. anyone away, which I, I'll actually kind of tie that in. So I believe JVR is going to get traded and then there's also talks of Nick Sealer getting traded who has become a top one of our top six defensemen and he was a seventh defenseman and kind of moved into the lineup but he's been playing really well he's kind of a grind away guy and I believe he adds youth he adds a good piece of youth and kind of knows where to play but uh yeah, there's now talks of him potentially be tr- being traded away too. I think uh, Justin Braun could probably get traded away. And then something that could actually, that just came up and could potentially cause problems is Joel Farabee is not happy with Tortorella being the coach. So Farabee came out officially and said he has not been pleased with the way that Torts has been running the team and that he doesn't feel like it's really been a success. And I think that kind of throws a wrench in the works because I believe that Farabee was probably the closest thing to a young Cam Atkinson that we're going to get on the Flyers. Because Cam Atkinson last year was our leading goal scorer, and Farabee is the closest thing that we're going to get to a pure goal scoring player. I guess Owen Tippett is going to be up there now too as he's shown flashes, especially this season, of being good, but... Farabee is a homegrown guy. Like We drafted him, we brought him up, and we got him going. So I think this kind of throws a wrench in the works, and could, we could potentially now see Farabee getting traded too because Tortorella has said he wants to see where everyone lands and how the team needs to be formed. And if Farabee isn't on the same page as Tortorella, who's going to be the coach for three years again after this, that's a big issue for the team. Yeah, and I knew something like this was bound to happen with a coach who's as kind of enigmatic as Tortorella, if that's really the right term to use. But um, his coaching style is so, like, specific and aggressive. I mean, 
it's not all players are really going to take to that. And I think we're kind of seeing it now. And I think we're going to see it more in the off season when you're starting to re really figure out who's, who wants to be on the team, who you want to be on the team. So yeah, I, I had a feeling something like this could have happened. And if you're going to trade him, I, I think the best time would be to do it before the deadline, because the deadline, the deadline tax is real. You're, you're probably going to get a lot more than you would in the off season. We saw it with the caps trade. Um, I don't think anybody thought you'd get three picks being a one, two, and a three, even though they're all different years. I, I, I don't think people would have predicted you would have gotten that normally. Yeah, and I I agree. When people when I talk to people about trade deadlines and stuff, the trade deadline is so much more because people are pushing for that cup, so they're yeah. willing to give up more to get that cup. A so, lot of teams feel like they're that this one trade will take them over. Exactly. So I think if they're going to get rid of him, it should be at the trade deadline because they would get more. But at the same time, with that being said, Farabee has the potential. I don't think he has played great this season. He did come off neck surgery, and he's played every single game this season. But he came off neck surgery, and he just hasn't looked like he's gotten back to where he was before that. So I, it's kind of... It's rough to say whether the it's hard to say whether Torts coaching has taken a toll on him or if it's just the neck, but it's definitely shown that he's something is not right with him and I'm hoping that he could get that worked out because he is a good player. Like he's shown that he has high hockey IQ. He's got the he's got the shot. He can bury the puck when he needs to, but he just hasn't been able to do it lately. So uh, that's definitely a big thing to keep an eye on coming up towards the trade deadline. Torts said he didn't know anything about it, and the agent didn't uh, really know about it, so it was kind of a thing that he kept hidden. So uh, him being gone would not really be a surprise to me now if they do get rid of him because with Torts being the future, he's got to play with people he can trust. And with that also being said, I don't think the front office feels the same way Farabee does. Farabee he's had brought in torts has brought in a new system of aggressiveness and for checking and he's brought in a new culture to the flyers like they're hardworking, and even though they're not winning games and they're not scoring a bunch of goals you could tell that the effort that is there and they're trying they coming off the all-star break they have two wins and they have scored over two goals in one game. So they are, they're struggling for sure after the All-Star break. But again, the effort is there. They're, they may not be scoring goals, but Tortorella has installed a new culture, which is the hardest thing to do when becoming a new coach is installing the culture. Yeah, so, and I think you're building the basics. I think, like, if, I don't think you can really judge this year considering if it's good or bad purely based off of the record because you knew you knew coming into the season you're probably going to be Bad. one of the worst teams in the league <laughs> but you're building like you're building the basics of this team you're building for the future you're trying to install good hard work ethics and stuff and things that will pay dividends a few years down the line so um i understand it's bad that a fair beast kind of butting heads but it's bound to happen with somebody like Tortorella, as I said earlier. Sometimes, like, Tortorella's going to weed out the guys who are really kind of invested into this and the guys who aren't. Um, 
Fairbeak is probably could be a very good player somewhere else, but not all coach coaches are going to match with the styles of the players because each different player is going to be different. So, it I think it, it sucks, but it's just something you got to move on from and accept. And there there has been good aside from you know installing the new culture. Yeah, Travis Konechny has now uh, beat his single single season goals record for himself. He's looking like pre-COVID connect me. Yeah, exactly. He has 27 goals now. It took him a little bit to get past that hump, yeah. but once he did, he scored three goals in two games. So he's back up to his his potential, even though he's uh, he's been hurt the last couple of games. Uh, we'll see if he comes back tonight. But he's been hurt. Owen Tippett has also broke out. He's been playing really well this season. Uh, you're seeing a fourth line that's, you know, kind of gutting away at the other team, which is always good to see. Uh, so it's it's a good combination of players, I think. And I think there's a lot of players that have proven that they're, they want to be a part of the future in Philly. So I think Torts has been a positive add. But like you said, not, not every player agrees with every coach's yeah, system. Philosophy. So the, if Farabee's got to go, I mean, it's a business. And that's what the Chuck Fletcher is going to focus on is if you can't figure it out, then you're gone. So, and you're going to be able to get decent, um, either prospects or draft picks. You're going to be able to get a decent package for him. Cause he's only 22 years old. Um, he has 26 points this season on what is a bad flyers team. So, and he's, and like I said, he's been playing injured for a majority of the season. Cause he had that neck yeah. surgery. So somebody's going to take, somebody's going to take that. Um, I don't know who, um, but you're not gonna. It's not gonna be difficult to really find a partner. And if I'm being honest, though, it might be harder to get rid of him at the deadline because he does only have 26 points. He is younger, yeah. which means if you're gonna trade him, you're probably gonna want to extend him. And I think he still has a couple more years on his current contract, which means that's more of an off-season trade. Usually, people bring yeah. in older veterans on the trade deadline, but. If you can get rid of him at the deadline, that's the way to go because you'll get more out of it. Yeah, you'll get more, but if like it's not really a deadline move because a lot of the like a lot of the people who are trading for the prospects um, are decidedly bad teams, and the people trading them are also supposed bad to be, teams. Well, not really. You'd like there's sometimes the teams that are trying to get those veterans. Oh, oh, you, I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. The, yeah, pe- the uh, people who are trading prospects are the good teams. Yeah, and the Flyers aren't good. You rarely see two bad teams trade at the trade deadline. It's happened here and there, but it's typically not your pro- it's not your prototypical trade deadline move. Yeah. Uh. But that's really all I have for. Hockey, because like I said, the Ryan O'Reilly. Oh yeah, I did want to go over the other trades. Uh, yeah, let's start with Ryan O'Reilly to the Leafs, which is a huge shock to me. And it's a little scary because in the game against Buffalo, I think he really started to find it. He had a hat trick and assist with four points. It's looking like he could possibly be the piece that could get them past the first round. I was gonna say, is it gonna be what gets them past the first round? I. uh, I think so. I haven't I haven't really been able to see how he meshes with everyone. Obviously Ryan O'Reilly is a really good player, uh top six forward, but it's I I just don't really see how he's gonna be that piece that gets him past because what what's the big thing with playoff hockey is defense. In the <laughs>